The Hero's Journey podcast is filled with an abundance of spoilers. If you haven't read this week's book, I recommend you do so, as it will certainly help you follow along. Although, if you're only interested in hearing our take on this story, listen on. Welcome to A Hero's Guide to Meeting the Mentor. Um, as never, for the first time, this is, uh, this is Alex. Uh, Jack couldn't make it tonight. He, he is busy working. And with us today, instead, we have our special guest, Drew, from the Inking Out Loud podcast. Drew, you yeah, want thanks. Yeah. thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> yep. Drew talks a lot of uh, fantasy and sci-fi books in his podcast, so... Definitely check that out if you like what we're doing here. Um, but let's just get into this. Uh, as always, we're going to start with a quote from Campbell. So, in Dante's vision, the part is played by Virgil, who yields to Beatrice at the thresholds of paradise. Protective and dangerous, motherly and fatherly at the same time, the supernatural prin principle of guardianship and direction. Um, so that's how Campbell describes a mentor. And uh, as always, we're going to start with our examples. And since we have a guest today, we're going to let him do the honors and go first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if, uh, if any of you have read it, um, but we, we covered the Rune Lords on the Inking Out Loud podcast uh, kind of way back at the beginning. And that actually has one of my favorite examples of the mentor in The Wizard Binisman. <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, oh man, it's one of these retro, I love the old fantasy books where like with the, with the really old kind of old time fantasy, uh, art covers, I've read like yeah. a handful of them. And when I was real young, they kind of like turned me off, but like the dragon bone chair and, and this kind of classical fantasy covers are sweet, but yeah, um, if you've seen the, uh, the wheel of time covers, you'll recognize the style on the rune Lords. Yeah. Yeah. Same artist. Oh yeah. It definitely looks very similar. <laughs> yeah. And probably the most interesting thing though, is the author of the rune Lords was actually Brandon Sanderson's creative writing professor in college. Oh, oh really? Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you like Brandon Sanderson, you're probably going to like the rune Lords. So he's read door of stone. Oh, Dragon Steel, you mean? Dragon Steel, yeah, Dragon Steel. <laughs> See, name uh, hard. Um, yeah, the 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 uh, um, the background for the World Hopper. Yeah, for Hoyd. Hoyd. Um, yeah, yeah. I've I've read a little bit of it myself. Um, it is it is definitely very interesting. Although are there a lot bits of, of it that, online. Uh, there, I think there are a couple of chapters of it on his website. Uh, oh, neat. So the basically the whole Shattered Plains and Bridge 4 plotline in Way of Kings was originally in Dragonsteel. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so he has a couple of those chapters on his website. Neat. Uh, although so a few things are redacted. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, uh, I guess maybe just give us uh, a briefest rundown of uh, like his role as a mentor uh, and like what he, what he does. Absolutely. Yeah. So pretty much the central character. There are a few main characters, but the, the main main is the Prince uh, Gaborn, uh, you know, Prince of one of the most powerful countries in the North. And he has kind of fledging um, earth powers and he in, 
uh, encounters this wizard, Binisman, who is the court wizard for an allied nation. And uh, Binisman sort of acts as both like a direct mentor for him throughout the series, but also a gateway mentor to the actual Earth, who is like a secondary mentor to Gaborn. And is like when we're digging into the monomyth and the, you know, the the actual elements of meeting the mentor. One of those is the the whole you know giving of an amulet for the hero to proceed on his journey, and it is actually the earth, this like earth spirit that gives Gaborn his you know quote unquote amulet. But it's Binisman who gives Gaborn access to the earth spirit, so uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I so, think that's neat because I don't think we've dealt with, at least in our discussions up to this point, a mentor acting as an intermediary for like the gifts of a higher power. Because mm-hmm. most of the time you see it, it's like the mentor being the one giving the gift. But it, and I think some would say it diminishes the idea of the mentor. But if you couldn't access it without the mentor, then the gift doesn't have any purpose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So Gaborn kind of, uh, he doesn't know about his power until he meets Binisman and Binisman is the one who puts him in touch with it. And then going forward, of course, he can, he can have that access. Mm -hmm. Uh, although yeah, without spoiling anything, things get a little more complicated. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, that does, does Bisman give him a actual talisman or a specific gift? Uh, so the Earth Spirit marks him and gives him pro- uh, like magical protection from his enemies so that they can't track him because he's like in a, uh, a hmm, not a besieged town, but like a, a captured fortress mm-hmm. and he has to escape from it. And of course, you know, they have magically enhanced warriors and trackers and dogs and things that are chasing him down. And so the Earth Spirit gives him the ability to escape from them. Okay, that's... Uh, that's cool. That's something different than what we've seen before. Usually, when, and at least when we've been talking about it, the mentor just teaches um, and not not really giving a physical gift or a special mark like that even. Mm-hmm. Is the is the magic system in this uh, this world such that, in comparing it to a D&D nature, he's more of a sorcerer where it's like innate uh, or is it something that he has to do quite a bit of study for to gain this kind of knowledge. And the reason I'm asking is that I find like the role of a mentor can very drastic can vary drastically based on whether or not it's something innate or something that they actually have to work for. Yeah. So there are, there are really two magic systems in it and in, in this specific situation with these earth powers, it is more like a deity sorcerer. It is an innate ability that he has to learn about and, and sort of discover his powers on his own. Okay. Uh, but it's that awakening to his powers that the, that the wizard Binisman gives to him. It's before that he doesn't really understand why he has these gut feelings or, or, you know, certain things or why things happen around him. And then once he's given that knowledge, then he can expand his powers. Okay. One of the things that I like to see in my mentors is not just the teaching relationship, but like an advisory role too. Um, after we're done with this, I'm going to bring up Vin and Kelsier. And I definitely see like an advisory and mentoring more than a teaching relationship. Do you see that mm-hmm. in these characters too? 
Yes. Uh, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but Benizman sticks around. Uh, he's he's not like an Obi-Wan Kenobi mentor figure where he just like dies off right after meeting the main character. Uh, and he takes on sort of a counselor role uh, and, and <laughs> almost like a therapist at times. Okay. Yeah, it's always... I, I also like to see heroes that... And, and actually, we had a hero... Uh, and you'll have to try to remind me, Alex. Didn't we have a mentor who ended up being somewhat antagonistic to the mm. hero after the point of the mentor? I'm trying to remember. I feel like we had Was one over there. Gods. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, where mm. Odin was like wasn't necessarily actively acting in in his best interests, but was still acting as the mentor. Um, Interesting, yeah. Because I guess it's something to do with like a, a two-faced ability, but um, I, I always think find those particular interactions somewhat interesting. But yeah, um, I'm happy to move on to Vin and Kelser. Yeah, I sure. Guess, uh... <laughs> All right. So uh, you know, usually we talk about movies uh, in this segment of our podcast more, but since we have Drew on here and we've already talked about this book, I want to bring up Vin and Kelsier as my example of the perfect mentor relationship. Um, since we've already talked about Mistborn, I think our audience knows a little bit of their relationship, but Kelsier doesn't just train Vin in how to use the metals. That's definitely present, but he acts more as a guide to the rest of the world that Vin hasn't experienced before. You know, um, teaches her how to interact with nobility a little bit. Teaches her how to handle a crew. Uh, just he he does more than just teaching, like I said, and that's a really important part of that relationship to me. Yeah, there are definitely layers to that mentorship where. Uh, you know, once again, he almost acts like a therapist. Vin is damaged goods, you know, when when she first meets Kelsier at the beginning of that book. And he's the one who not only teaches her about the magic and about how to move in society, but also how to heal her emotional and kind of mental social wounds that she can learn to trust again because of Kelsier. Which I think is interesting because in this particular relationship, I think it moves both ways more than we see in our stereotypical mentor dynamic because if it hadn't been for the I don't know if I want to call them lessons but the insight that Vin provides to Kelsier especially about like the nobles you would have never seen him put himself and his plans at risk to save um the the nobleman yeah Ellen um to save Ellen there right before his uh his death like he he straight up jumps in to, to save him. And I think he, at the point in the book, may acknowledge, you know, Vin's going to have to thank me later or some such. But it's <laughs> it's definitely through their conversations um, and kind of not only his caring for her, but some of the insights that he may have, she may have provided to him that he's even willing to make uh, that kind of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think like one of the bigger scenes where this is evidence is when Vin tells Kelsier and the rest of the crew, like, hey, you, you're just noblemen without titles. Um, she definitely, like, that definitely just shows the relationship there. She's, Wasn't that meant to be, like, an insult? or It, it is. And yeah. I would think. <laughs> but it's also an insult that, you know, serves a purpose and derives a result. 
you know, there Kelsier isn't a static mentor character. He he changes as well. Do you think that Alex, do you think that Vin and Kelsier's relationship is as a mentor is made any less impactful by the fact that she eventually ends up and I don't know if I necessarily like where I'm heading with this, but she ends up to be the one who accomplishes his goals um, as opposed to, I mean, she eventually goes on and has her own goals and has her own journey that we will talk about later in one of our other episodes. But do you think the mentor uh, hero relationship is made greater by the fact that she accomplishes exactly what he was aiming for? Or do you think it, it kind of takes away from it? I don't think it takes away from it at all. Uh, like you said, Vin's goals become aligned with Kelsier's goals because she's in his crew and then later progress on. And I think that just shows actually the strength of that mentor relationship. Vin wouldn't have had the same goals or the same storyline without Kelsier's influence on her life. Um, it, it sets her on a better path, I think, than she would have been on before you know, if she had stayed with the other street gangs and stayed well, at that lower level. Her path so, would have been fairly short, if short. I remember correctly, because the uh, yeah. one yeah. of the Inquisitors would have come up and, and ended it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is an interesting point there about how her goals not only changed, but also, um, you know, expanded in scope, uh, where it's it goes from you know, petty theft, essentially, to world-changing um, altruism by the end. You know, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable shift, and it was all triggered by Kelsier. I, I think it's particularly interesting in book two and three, where especially the Church of the Survivors viewing Vin as the successor of uh, Kelsier, and that she, when she's talking about the decisions that she makes, she's often referencing, oh, what would Kelsier have done in this situation? As her own scope starts to broaden to these worldwide altruisms, like you said, she's using this kind of mental idea of Kelsier to help make those informed decisions, um, which I mm -hmm. think further impacts the, the shows the impact that he had on her life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see the roots in that from the beginning as Kelsier tries to make her build her trust in the rest of the crew and not just, you know, think that she's alone and abandoned. And that expands to eventually include the whole world as we see, but it starts yeah. with Kelsier helping her trust the crew. Yeah. And if she hadn't trusted the crew, we wouldn't have, you know, got off the ground, but um, yeah, I think that's a good, a good example of the mentor. Uh, we, we delved a little more into it in this than we even did when we discussed the first book because Kelsier was our hero instead of Finn. So we had the mentor being the off-screen crazy misborn that Kelsier learned all his... Oh, uh, uh, Gemmin. Yeah, yeah. Gemmel, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really, definitely really a weaker point than, it, than this one has been. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, it's okay. Anything off-screen you can hand-wave as being the perfect... Uh, Perfect alignment with the hero's journey. For so, my meeting the mentor, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna go back to kind of off book uh, information here. In that I'm gonna be discussing Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Um, mm. He's a you know a mentor to several different characters in the series. 
Uh, I'd like to kind of focus in on his relationship with April Ludgate, um, the angsty teen come uh, professional, well, somewhat professional businesswoman kind of by the end of the, uh, the end of the series. And I've got some, a couple different quotes from Juan um, specifically related to April. Um, they're, Interactions at the beginning in the first couple seasons are fairly light as the show is in general, but as the seasons kind of develop and we get to see more interplay between the characters, I think it increases quite a bit. Um, There's a a quote here from uh, season three, episode two called flu season, where I'm pretty sure April (laughs) is out of the office and, and he says something that I think kind of is exemplifying of their relationship at the beginning. April's sick out of the office, and he said, Ron says, I need to find someone to fill in for April. Now, I'm not going to find someone who's both aggressively mean and apathetic. April really is the whole package, but I think I might know <laughs> someone who will be just as ineffective, um, which at first kind of seems like an insult, but I think uh, plays off the things that Ron values uh, in her uh, as an assistant and as an, an employee. Uh, but we see it kind of progress towards... Um, the end of the season, well, in the middle of their kind of relationship, he goes to a party at their house and he asks her where uh, their toolbox is because he wants to fix, I think it's a leaky sink. Yep. Um, <laughs> and he, she gives it to him. Uh, and here it is. He says, no home is complete without a proper toolbox. Here's April and Andy's. A hammer, a half-eaten pretzel, a baseball card, some cartridges that says Sonic and Hedgehog, a scissor, uh, a scissor half and a flashlight filled with jelly beans. Um, the quote itself, not going so much into the mentorship, but he takes the time then to go around their home and fix things um, because he cares about their safety and their and their general well-being. And at the very end of the series, um, he, they, April is going to be moving to Washington, and uh, Ron asks her for the key to his house back that he had given her some time ago, which she's actually unable to find. Um, and this quote, I think is pretty good. I change my house locks every 16 days. That key has been useless since the second Tuesday after I gave it to you. What matters <laughs> is that I trust you and I admire you as a person. I'll be sorry to see you leave this town for many reasons. Not the least of which is that you created a puzzle that I couldn't, I, even I couldn't solve, which is in relation to finding the key. But, um, there's many instances where he acts as a father figure, father figure to, uh, April throughout the show, uh, giving advice about, her love life, her professional life. Um, and I, I think those kind of three quotes just showcase the the arch of that dynamic. You know, uh, specifically highlighting that episode where he, you know, comes to their, their house for the party and ends up fixing everything. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be misremembering, but he ends up using his own toolbox because theirs is, you know, ineffective. Yes. And at the end of that episode, he gives her his toolbox. He does, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I see. There's a gift right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think that Ron shows some of these uh, protective features that we've been missing. Well, not really missing, but uh, aren't as evident in our other characters that we've picked. So that's mm-hmm. particularly interesting to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's definitely meant to be a comedic, over-exaggerated uh, example, but I think he does a good job of showcasing like a level of affection that can often be lost in the kind of stoicism of some of our mentors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the way you put that. 
Sorry, I wasn't sure where you're going to go with this when we first started, but you brought it around. <laughs> I actually really liked that. Yeah, I mean, he he shows her a lot of different things. I, I think there's different times where he, he – I mean, in – to be fair, Leslie is certainly a mentor to April in many ways too in the story, but she's a mentor to quite a few, quite a different people, as is Ron in some instances. He, Ron's one of his primary goals of the show from the writer's perspective is to provide these little sound bites of quotes that are particularly memorable. Whether it goes from you know being a true-blooded American to eating breakfast foods and all in between, but I think the fact that the age difference between Ron and April is you know so extreme that he very much could be her father um and that he doesn't have any children of his own i think it was wise of the of the writers to kind of weave that underlying tone into the story and um i think it plays well i didn't actually see their whole little live reading uh, or pretending where they're in character lately for covid but um i i kind of wish i had now for, for the purposes of this but i don't know if it would have yeah. even touched on anything relevant uh it did build on their relationship a little bit. Ron wants to do a nice thing for Leslie and reaches out to April to do that thing. They, they want to like have a connected phone call instead of this little phone tree game they've been playing. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I think it just shows further that their relationship has developed beyond. Yeah. Cause he doesn't team. really rely on anybody yeah. to do anything uh, yeah. in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he has a special relationship with April. Like like you said, you know, he's a just by virtue of his position in their department. Of course, he's going to be somewhat of a mentor to everybody working under him. But there is very much a special bond, and, and not only with April, but by extension, Andy. You know, yeah. where where he takes the the really green, inexperienced, and naive of the employees under his wing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And just is a mentor. Um, yeah. I was going to discuss like a more stereotypical, like Mr. Miyagi or Yoda, but um, <laughs> I think this is a little more nuanced and perhaps a little more fun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You, you couldn't see it, but when you first started talking, I had two thumbs up. So. <laughs> <laughs> So those are some of our thoughts and great fun examples of the meeting the mentor step. Let us know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook at a hero's journey pod or on Gmail at a hero's journey pod at gmail.com. And thanks again to Drew from inking out loud for joining us. Drew, you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, sure. So you guys can find uh, inking out loud on SoundCloud or, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, the usual. Uh, you can also find my kind of literary analysis and articles on Tor.com. I'm a contributing writer over there as well. So, uh, yeah, check that out. But mostly I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for fun. joining us. And I'll it definitely have to check out uh, your guys' discussion of the Rune Lords because not only has the the art uh, and relationship to Brandon Sanderson piqued me in, but uh, I'm gonna have to read it first. But that shouldn't shouldn't take very long. Oh, I'll I'll add one more thing to to pitch the Rune Lords. Brandon Sanderson is on the record multiple times as saying the magic system in the Rune Lords is the best he's ever read. Oh, he's not allowed All to right. say his own is the best he's ever read, though. But I will say it. the underlying principles 
in how Brandon Sanderson constructs magic systems, he learned from this guy. Okay. That's like, I couldn't think of probably a better uh, um, endorsement. endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And as always, I've been Alex. I'm Zach. And I'm Drew. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Tuesday when we're discussing the name of the wind and the hero's journey of Koth. Yay! Oh, thank you. <laughs> Character names are hard. They're literally the hardest part about any book ever. Oh, yeah.